Good morning, folks, and welcome to last night this morning. My apologies for missing the weekend recap. Yesterday, I was having issues with the file. Uh, I really just could not get anything loaded, so I was having trouble getting into the series recaps, and, and it would have been silly for me to try to talk about a weekend when, you know, I couldn't see the weekend. So I had to skip that one. We do have our first mailbag coming out today as we had a huge number of questions submitted so i do appreciate that that will be a little bit later this afternoon but for now let's get into your only daily recap of mlb pros games and let's dive right into it there were a lot of good pitching performances last night including three people who went seven innings and shut out the team they were playing against multiple people with double digit strikeouts couple of people whose names you will recognize, uh, but not for their success really much this year, I guess. I re- maybe you would. I don't, I don't know. Uh, with three, four, five home runs, and then my boy Taylor Sparks coming through with a couple of home runs after going 0 for the last three games. <sighs> he is up and down. All right, let's get into it. Let's start in Seattle with the Oakland Athletics shut out. The Mariners, again, again, I don't know what happened over the weekend. My apologies. We'll get into that a little bit later. But, man, the A's swept the Mariners. Sorry. Sorry. Shut out the Mariners. As this game went into the eight scoreless, a game between Danny Holson and Zach Reinke, who has not been as good as he typically has this year. Uh, but Danny Holson is obviously spectacular. Zach Reinke, very good but struggling, as most of the A's have been through the first part of the year. Ended the top of the eighth scoreless. That would finally be broken up as Juan Francisco and Mike Moustakas would drive in runs in the seventh and eighth innings to give the A's a 2-0 win over the Mariners. There were more errors in this game than there were runs. As there were three errors, two committed by the Mariners and one committed by the A's. Regardless, Zach Greinke goes seven and a third, gives up five hits, strikes out nine to improve to two and six on the year before Rod Cummings and Ken Gary come through and shut this thing down. Ken Gary got his 13th save of the year, now posting a 135 ERA. Danny Holson went eight innings, gave up seven hits, seven strikeouts, did allow those two runs, as I mentioned, as he was left in there maybe a little bit too long. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered because the Mariners couldn't score. He drops to six and three. Offensively, you had two hits from Cabanas and Lindor at the top of this lineup, and then the rest of it sort of took a shit for the Mariners because um, they really just couldn't get anything going. Greg Faustine needed two more hits. He's now hitting 283 on his rookie season. Uh, Byron Buxton, one for five on the day, still hitting 321 as he continues to battle injury problems but has been excellent in Oakland since coming over. Henry Powell, not so much. Still batting about 232. That's what we kind of expect out of him. You know, we thought maybe he'd, he'd do a little more. I know Scott expected more out of him, but that seems to be what he is, is that 232-40 hitter. Regardless, the A's get the win. They're now 25-32, and 32, slowly creeping towards the 500 mark. 500 is far from where you need to be in this division, but it would be a massive improvement for how poorly they started. Mariners are 38-18. and 18. In Los Angeles, the National League version, the Dodgers get the win over the Cardinals 2-1 as Jeffrey LeBlanc... And Lucio Cruzado pitched excellent, excellent games. But again, a, a kind of a theme across the board. <sighs> um, 
you see Jeffrey LeBlanc go five and a third innings. He gives it two runs while striking out nine. He does take the loss and falls to six and three. Lucio Cruzado went seven and a third. He only gave three hits, struck out five. He actually probably would have gone longer, but he left the game injured. Now, if I recall, his injury is not super, super serious. Um, it's just a torn fingernail, so he's probably going to make his next start, but you still don't like seeing Cruzano go out of third. He is 7-1 and one with a 1.46 ERA in a lost season for the Dodgers. Lucio Cruzado has been excellent. Jordan Wallen came through with his ninth save of the year. Um, only four hits for the Dodgers. RBI is driven in by a, a fellow named Roy Austin. Not familiar with Roy Austin, but good on you, buddy. Driving in his first WR of his career. Looks like it might have been his second start that he's ever made. Um, good for Roy Austin. Offensively for St. Louis, they just couldn't get anything done. The only hit, or the only uh, run that was actually scored from them was a pinch hit home run hit by backup catcher Julio Rodriguez. Perhaps starting catcher Julio Rodriguez. I believe John Gillum missed their backup. Yeah, that's correct. He was supposed to get the day off, but they brought him in to... Spark was off and Sparky he did with solo shot in the ninth, but wasn't enough because nobody else could get a hit. Dodgers are now twenty-four and thirty-one. Cardinals fall to thirty and twenty-five as they just are gonna be in some shit luck as thirty and twenty-five in most divisions is probably good enough to be in the in the running at like seven back of Milwaukee and Pittsburgh right now. That's just rough. And Houston. The Astros are able to take down the Red Sox as nobody in the American League East wants to win this division, apparently. We'll talk about that in the mailbag. A ton of questions came in about the American League East, actually. Uh, the Astros take down the Red Sox 3-2. to two. Find some late-inning heroics from the Astros' offense. Juan Devia goes 5 and a third. Gives up two runs. Will not figure into the decision as he leaves early. But Juan Devia, still excellent on the year. Uh, for Boston, Suramatsu Haguchi. Continues to kind of have a resurgence as he has been awful, awful, awful all year. But he's got a couple of good games here over the last couple of weeks. Those five innings only giving up the one run. Ramon LeBron would hold it before he turned it over to Jorge De Leon, who would give up two runs and take the loss. His first blown save and his first loss of the year, despite the 6.15 ERA. Racy Iglesias would get the win his third of the year for the Astros as he pitched a scoreless inning right before they scored some runs. And then everybody's favorite, Mark Lopez, came through for his 15th save of the year. He's now posting a 171 ERA for Houston. Josh Galloway would drive in a couple of runs on a home run in the eighth inning off for Hey Diddy on his seventh of the year. I think 208, still really, really struggling with the bat. I think I covered his extensive struggles at some point. Um, my God, I don't remember when I was doing it, but he's been really bad at the plate. Now, luckily for him, he's otherworldly in the field, posting an 8-ZR right now with a um, 1.095 efficiency. I mean, the guy's, the guy's just absolutely spectacular. He hasn't committed an error yet this season. I wouldn't expect him to get many, if any, as he continues to be one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. Houston will move to 32-22, and 22 and Boston falls back to 527-27 and 27 in San Francisco, an interleague baseball game. Angels and Giants. Angels are baseball's second hottest team. I'm going to call them the second hottest team because they're probably the hottest, but we'll go second hottest. They're now tied atop the division with the win. Uh, they won eight straight. They're now tied with the Mariners at the top at 38-18. The Giants fall at 25-30. and James Paxton could not get out of the fourth inning as he gave up five runs, seven hits, 
and that's just a recipe for a loss against the Angels, despite the fact that Blake Snell also didn't look good. He got four runs across three innings for the Angels. Blake Snell did. Was this his first start of the year? Nah, he's played in a bunch of games, and he's had a shitty year already. That's not typical for them. Bullpen came through, though, between Marshall, Maine, Romero, Ichikawa, and Navarez, all throwing shutout innings, multiple shutout innings. In some of these cases, the Angels were able to hold on, and they would take down the Giants 7-4. to four. Offensively, no more Mazzara, no, no surprise here. Went 2-4, for four, drove in three runs, and he would provide the spark for the Angels. Uh, Michael Sharp did go 3-for-3 three three for the Giants, though. He's not really been very good offensively. Michael Sharp was sort of like the flavor of the day a couple years ago, if you remember, uh, when he was traded from Detroit to Atlanta and then from Atlanta to somewhere else. But there were a lot of people very interested in Michael Sharp's services. I don't know why. He's he's good defensively, but he is awful with the bat. To be fair, he was awful with the bat then when Atlanta traded some pretty decent prospects uh, to Detroit for him and Byron Buxton. Neither of whom lasted very long. Anyhow, uh, the Royals versus the Pirates, an excellent series, an interleague series specifically. You wouldn't think so with the Royals being a 500 team and the Pirates being one of baseball's best, but the Royals are better than you think they are. The Pirates are about as good as you think they are. Uh, regardless, the Royals would hang on to win, despite the fact that the Pirates scored five runs down the stretch, including three in the top of the ninth. David, hold on to win 8-7. Melvin Garner for Pittsburgh went 2-2, two two thirds, gave up six runs to take his second loss for the Pirates. He still continues to be better than he was before he came over to Pittsburgh, but he is kind of showing that maybe he wasn't as good as he thought he was. I still stand by that this was a good gamble for the Pirates, but I think he's going to be about a 500 pitcher posting in the area somewhere in this range. For the rest of the year, Jason Neal goes six and two thirds, gives up three runs, strikes out 11 to get his fifth win of the year before the bullpen would just sign to slowly start giving up runs. Infante gave up a run in less than an inning. Um, Miguel de los Santos gave up a run without recording an out. Then you had uh, Arturo Maltos Garcia give up a run without giving up recording an out. Or finally, despite even giving up a run, Luis Martinez was able to stop the bleeding. Three hits and a walk in one inning of baseball. Did get his 12th save of the year. He's supposed to get a 6.06 ERA for a shockingly contending um, Royals team. That isn't going to work for somebody that's going to come in and be your save, your closer. I think Kansas City probably needs to take a look at getting somebody in that role, not him. Uh, Kansas City moves to back to 500. Like I said, 26 and 26. The Pirates now fall to 34 and 20. Still just an excellent, excellent record for them. The Mets offense has woken up. They still playing about 500 baseball, but that's much better than they were before. As they scored five in the second, three in the fifth, to down the Diamondbacks, nine, seven. Just what the offense needed. I mean, this team has been struggling all year long. You had RBIs from uh, the shortstop, Matt Wilson. You have RBIs from Russell Martin, the back catcher. Who's playing excellent, by the way, in a limited role this year. You have RBI some Zuling Wong, who has been horrid all year long. Goes three for four, drives in a couple of runs. Dennis Moody, the rookie playing center field, drives in his two first RBIs, despite playing in a number of games already. He's already played 30, no, seven or eight games, and he records his first. Um, so good on Dennis Moody, RBIs, excuse me, not his first out, to drive in a couple of runs. On the hill, Tim Lincecum, still very bad, uh, leaves the game injured. It's only a, for a couple of days, just strained to fat muscle. Uh, Luis Castillo comes through, gets his second win of the year, despite giving up three runs over less than two innings. But the bullpen's able to hang on. 
not something that the Mets have been able to do very often. Bill Howe gets run out of the game very early, um, and the, the Diamondbacks just never could catch up. They tried. They tried very desperately, and they, they tried valiantly. Vlad Guerrero hit his 18th home run of the year. Shoei Otani hit his 5th of the year. Das Cameron hit his 8th of the year. Um, Bryce Harper drove in a run. Matt Hansen drove in a couple, but it wasn't enough for the Diamondbacks to catch up. The Mets are now 19-34 and 34 as the Diamondbacks fall to 35-21 and 21 on the year. I think they're fine. That's that's a fine record. You don't have to be worried about them. Let's go to Cleveland, where Cleveland was in a tight one with the White Sox. Cleveland would win 9-8 on a game that, you know, kind of scattered runs across the board. It wasn't really, uh, it was a four-run, I mean, let me rephrase that. When I say scattered, I mean, Cleveland scored seven runs in the first two innings, and then the White Sox scored a ton of runs on the back end of this game, and then they would, Cleveland would eventually walk it off in the 10th. Uh, kind of a wild game, actually. Chris Sale went one and two-thirds, but could be his last aim, uh, game pitched as a member of the White Sox team. Give him seven runs. Hell of a day, or hell of an exit there, Chris Sale, if you really are leaving. Um, the bullpen would kind of hold court for a while until they would give up a run later and then Juan Ramos would take the loss in the bottom of the 10th uh, for the White Sox excuse me Cade Gayhill hit his 56th hit of the year it's a run scoring single in the bottom of the 10th which would win the game for Cleveland offensively Miguel Andujar goes three for five drives in four runs and Cade Cahill goes four for six driving in two runs for this Cleveland baseball lineup, uh, Sean Stevens goes five and two thirds. He's with four runs. Does not figure into the decision. As we said, it was a win in the eleventh or tenth. Mark McCain will actually get his first one of the year uh, to you know whatever take this first one this year. Uh, the White Sox fall to nineteen and thirty six. Cleveland moves to thirty and twenty five on the year. Colorado takes down the newly abandoned Texas Rangers as uh, Kevin. Oh, shoot, got your name Lincoln, Kevin, sorry. Um, but Kevin steps away as manager or GM of the the Rangers. The Rockies will take them down. The Rangers now fall to 22 and 34. You can see why perhaps they were not super keen. Uh, Kevin was not super keen to to stick with this team, although they did just trade Ariel DePoguero to the Red Sox and then bounce, which is always an interesting move to trade your best hitter and then leave the league. So it's happened before. I'm sure it'll happen again. Um, you know, whatever. The Rockies now move to 35 and 20 as Miguel Pineda pitches seven very good innings, giving up one run, striking out 12 to move to seven and two. James Widener pitches six innings, four runs, takes his eighth loss of the year. He's down with 8.2 ERA through 12 to 15 starts. He seems to be not great. Uh, Hideki Nakamura hits his first home run in a Rangers uniform after coming over from Boston in that trade. As he tries to spark anything out of his offense but couldn't quite do it. Offensively for the Rockies, hits all across the board. RBIs from Steve Winter, Jed McKinley, who's back off the IL, folks. This team was awesome without him, and now they get potentially their best hitter back, Jed McKinley. Um, as we are all terrified of that, the Rockies are 35 and 20, Rangers 22 and 34. My apologies if I repeated that, but I'm just going through some stuff um, on the game here. The Marlins down the Blue Jays, and what essentially as it was a heartbreaker for Toronto as they've lost now eight straight. They've lost seven straight coming into the game, got off to an early lead. It was five to one entering the top of the six when the Miami Marlins would 
drop a couple more runs um, onto the Blue Jays' head here, make it five to three, make five to four in the top of the eighth, and then they would tie it five five in the top of the ninth. Just heartbreaking as Aroldis Chapman blows the save. Um, Aroldis Chapman did pitch across two innings, though, so I, I don't really know who to blame for this one here. I guess Toronto's manager, whoever that may be. Uh, and then you go through a tillerless 10th, the scoreless 11th before in the 12th inning, Cam Gallagher hits his fifth home run with two outs to make it 7-5. And then uh, Michael Roman would continue pitching into the bottom of the 12th to get the W and the rift, the chase losing streak would extend to eight as they search for answers. But man, what a rough thing. Now, luckily, Mitch is not the type to overreact. He is not really panicked at all, but you hate to see it if you're a Blue Jays fan. The Jays fall to 500 for the first time in a long time, and the Marlins move to 22 and 32. Again, we talk about the American League East in the mailbag game uh, episode later, so I don't want to belabor the point here. The Padres take down the Cubs 8-6, despite some late heroic attempts. For the Cubs, the top sentence here at the top of the thing, which kind of set jabs off a little bit last night, is the 2021 season is getting ugly for the Chicago Cubs. It's been ugly for the Chicago Cubs as they fall to 20 and 34. The Padres are 22 and 34. Uh, Joe Musgrove gets the win for the Padres. He goes six innings, gives up four runs, moves to three and two. Richard Mann takes the loss for the Cubs, who never had the wins, but at one point did have a lower ERA. That seems to be skyrocketing up a little bit. He goes four, gives up seven runs. Only five of them earned, but that's enough as the Cubs would lose. Offensively, Pablo Sandoval did his eighth home run of the year. Uh, Stalin Castro hits his fourth, and Yaldon Alvarez hits his 13th for the Cubbies. There was definitely some sparks there. Uh, not enough quite to take hold of the Padres, you know, as they were moving through this entire Gabe dominating. Um, Joe Musgrove went two for three, drove it three RBIs. Right, the second most impressive pitcher's performance of the day. Uh, I don't know we've got to this thing yet, but there was a grand slam um, by a pitcher, John O'Day. And we've not gotten to that game yet. And spoiler alert, sorry everybody, didn't mean to ruin it. I'm sure you saw yesterday though. The Twins take down Baltimore 10 to 3. As they move three games over 500 and continue to climb out of the horrid basement that they can they made for themselves early on in the year, Kevia Sampson goes seven innings, gives them three runs, takes the win to go to five and two. As Juan Trujillo continues to be just Juan Trujillo like, and falls to three and five, gives up two earned runs across the five innings, four total. As there was an error by um, Chris Jordan, I believe this is the fellow's name, who committed that error. Um, anyhow. The Orioles will fall to 27 and 27. The Twins will win to 29 and 26, like I mentioned. RBIs from Dolan or Anato seems to be picking up a tiny bit. And then uh, RBIs from Richard Davis as well would carry the Twins to the win uh, as they try to. I think they're trying to hold on to that lead now. I think Cleveland has fallen down enough. Oh, they did sweep somebody last week. Anyhow, Brewers take down the Milwaukee. Sorry, the Tigers take down the Milwaukee Brewers. Yusuke Mori goes seven innings, gives up three runs. He does not figure into the decision as Candlest, Mason, and Chapman would come through for Detroit and scoreless four innings of relief to take the win. The loss falls to uh, Milwaukee reliever Alejandro Chassin, uh, his second of the year. The Brewers, 
got on base. They scored runs. I mean, they were doing okay. Only three, granted. But that seems to be enough against the Tigers. It would have been enough against the Tigers. Uh, Mike Wheelock hit his third home run of the, of the year in the ninth inning to tie it with two outs uh, before Victor Adams, first baseman, would um, double on the top of the 11th to give the Tigers a 4-3 to three lead. They'd add a couple more after that. Uh, uh, Mike Wheelock would drive in a run, and Fruga would drive in a run. Uh, a couple of runs as well. I uh, don't know, really know what order that happened in, but the Tigers would win 19-36 and 36 on the year. Milwaukee is 37-18. and 18. They are going to be just fine. Um, New York, baseball's hottest team, wins its eighth in a row. They went to 4-0 behind Cal Quantrill. The rookie has been excellent. He continues to be excellent. Goes seven, strikes out ten, takes his fifth win of the year. Uh, Kodai Senga will go six and give him a three and take his fourth loss of the year. We're going to talk about the Yankees in the mailbag because they have been so much fun to watch after building this team the way Rhett wanted it. They're finally starting to click a little bit. Dave Riley walked three times. 26 and 29, still three games under 500 despite winning eight in a row. They are about a game and a half out. This is going to be a scary division to finish uh, this season. 26 and 30 for the Rays as they are now at the bottom in that division. Braves were struggling early, would come back to win 12-5 over the Nationals as they had 11 runs in the final four frames, five in the sixth and six in the eighth. Taylor Sparks homers twice, goes three for four and drives in three runs. Matasaki Yoshida drives in a couple. Marvin Gruden drives in a couple. George Lund drives in three and a pinch hit appearance, somehow not on a home run. I think he doubled uh, and drove in a bases clearing. Yeah, there were bases loaded, and he would double. All three runs would come through to score. Mark Davies pitched very good for five innings, um, giving up one run before Cole Swanson, Erodis Iscaino, John Simpson, and Will Martin would come through and give up a ton of runs and take the loss. Donald Austin would get the win, his second of the year for Atlanta. The big story for the, the Braves, though, is Max Freed apparently going to be out for a couple of months. He has been a staple at the back end of this bullpen. His sixth hold was notched last night, 169 ERA. He just came off a season-long injury last year. Finally got on the mound this year to be excellent for the Braves. You hate to see that he is not going to be pitching for a while. And finally, the Phillies would score eight runs in the top of the 10th, as we mentioned. Uh, they would score. They were down 2-1 to one to the Reds going into the ninth. They would score one in the ninth, and then they would blow the game open. Um with the Phillies, excuse me, uh, as they would score eight in the tenth, including, like I mentioned, uh, a home run by John O'Day. Now, I I really need to get to the, the breakdown of this thing of why he was batting in the tenth, uh, why they didn't use a pitch hitter, but whatever, it works. John O'Day hits his first home run of the year, and it's a grand slam to win the game, essentially. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, they were already winning. Luis Urias had given him the lead. Either way, John O'Day hits a grand slam, pitches two innings, gets his fifth win of the year. Good on you, John O'Day. You're the man of the day for me. That has been it. We'll tell you a little bit later for the mailbag. Thanks for listening.